This is a kick in the grass with Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Humiliation for Barcelona and for Pep Guardiola. It's Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair, another edition of a kick in the grass. Thanks for tuning in, as always, on the Sportsnet Radio Network and on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Always subscribe so that way you never miss a Monday show. What's going on, Jeff? Hey, how you doing, Danny? It's a crazy time, man. Crazy time. Yeah, it's... uh, uh We'll get into the Champions League. We've also got Axel Schuster, uh, Whitecaps Sporting Director, joining us as uh, the Canadian Series begins uh, for the MLS clubs in Major League Soccer. Uh, we'll discuss that and uh, and a lot more around MLS. And, of course, your questions come in injury time at DanRicho650 and at Blair is where you can send in your questions for injury time. We will answer them in the final segment of the show. So, uh, okay, let's start with this because we're going to get into Barcelona and Manchester City, but h- how do you like the the one leg, like the single elimination format for the Champions League? You know, I go back and forth on it because I like the intensity it provides. Uh, I, I, I like, frankly, the tactical challenge it can, it can provide uh, a manager, but at the same time, you know, at, at the same time, I kind of like a, a two-legged format. To me, kind of separates it from from a lot of other a lot of other sports we watch. You know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a North American thing, but I, I find it so different that it's that it's enjoyable. I mean, listen, I'm I'm old enough that I can remember when the CFL Eastern Final was a two-game total points, uh, you know, two-game total point playoff, which was spectacular. Um, you know, and, and just created all created all sorts of interest. So I like the two-legged format, but again, there's something about the drama, right? There's something about the drama of, of just one match. And, you know, I think we, frankly, I, 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 I think we saw that with Man City. To me, in a lot of ways, it was almost as if, it was almost as if Pep thought he was managing a, you know, a, a a tie over over two legs um so i go i go back and forth on it i if they decided to stay this way and i think you know some of the talk in europe is that this might be the right way to do it next year as well just because the season is going to be we just don't know how it's going to turn out generally the fewer games the better so if they were to, to decide to do it next season as well i'd be on board i'd be on board with it but I don't know how you feel. Uh, I, I enjoy the differences I see in in European football. You know, to me, that makes it almost more more entertaining to me. Yeah, there's there's something about it. You know, just a, an immediate urgency that you you feel from the get go, right? Um, you, you saw it kind of crashing and burning for for Barcelona early on in their matchup uh, with Bayern Munich, but. You just get that sense that things are going to be a little bit more open than they otherwise would be over a two-legged tie. But at the same time, like it, it, there's a little bit of recency bias here, right? Like you wouldn't mm-hmm. have uh, some of the great results, a lot of them uh, involving Barcelona over the last few years. But Barcelona, PSG, right? That incredible comeback, the Liverpool comeback against Barcelona as well a couple of years ago, uh, on on route to their, you know. Champions League final appearance, which they eventually eventually lost to Real Madrid. But 
you know, like those types of things do happen. There's still a lot of drama in the home and away format. Um, I, I've, lo- I've always loved aggregate the way that it is. So I, I think most of this is just recency bias. But mm-hmm. for where we are right now and, and given the current climate we are in, I have loved having the Champions League back in this format. It's made for, for great drama. So let's get into it with Barcelona because uh, we are looking this morning and, you know, I, I get up in the morning, I make my coffee, I check the various websites to see what news is coming out and uh, apparently this morning, Lionel Messi is ready to leave Barcelona. Uh, his teammates are ready to kick him out of Barcelona because of a dressing room row. And uh, now maybe this is the most uh, credible one of the stories that I've read. Uh, but uh, Fabrizio Romano of uh, The Guardian reporting that Ronald Koeman is going to take over for Kike Setien at Barcelona. But let's start with the match, Jeff, and the the embarrassment, the end of the era type of feel that it was for Barcelona losing 8-2 to Bayern Munich. Yeah, I mean, you really did get a sense that it was sort of the last breath of the dying lion. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, having Philippe Coutinho (laughs) score against them only kind of... (laughs) Twice! Twice, and and I gotta tell you, I I mean, I I am not a fan of his, but it was remarkable watching his body language. And there was a great shot of him at the end of the match. And I think it was Gerard Pique. He's standing when he's just shrugging. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you want me to do here? Um, look, we talked about this coming out of the break. They're, uh, they're an older team. They don't have much depth. And the depth that they have, the players that they have, the manager clearly wasn't comfortable using them. They've got a real issue with Griezmann. Uh, You know, a lot of people are saying that, well, whoever comes in, and it does look like it's Ronald Koeman, whoever comes in is going to have to make it work with Messi. And that's certainly true. But he's also going to have to figure out a way to get the best out of, to get the best out of Griezmann and make, make Barcelona, uh, you know, a destination right again and and a destination for a reason other than simply we'll go out and spend great gobs of money on you and, and he and you know Koeman would be the right guy to do it I mean he moved his family back to Barcelona I think in January mm-hmm. you know personally I think he's nuts to give up managing the Dutch team right now given where they are but uh this is this is probably the only other the only other job you know he would leave that for as I mentioned he's a club legend his family lives there and it was interesting because if you go back and look online, it was about four months ago where he started being quoted about Barcelona, and he was critical at times about some of the the errors they were making, with some of the weaknesses he saw. And it was funny because it was always not that I'm in a hurry to be their manager, but if I was manager, dot 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 dot. <laughs> so I think he's a he's I think he's a good choice. You know, we know his 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 background and his relationship with Johan Cruyff. He was a phenomenal player in, in his day, uh, just a, a marvelous player, and, and you know somebody who figures in so many of that uh, uh, of Barca's big moments. It's a good move for them. I 
don't know necessarily if it's a good move for him though. And, and, you know, as someone who sort of keeps an eye on international football now, Dan, I wonder where this leaves the Netherlands. Cause, cause they've made, you know, they were a mess. They've been a mess at past world cups. The whole story of the Dutch team guys who can't get along. He seemed to have repaired a lot of that. And the Dutch team I think is on right now is on the cusp of once again, being, being the class of Europe. And it's 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 a ballsy move by him. I I don't think I would have done it, but <laughs> kudos to him for doing it. Well, it's it's not an easy job, you know. Like it, just just thinking about some of the rhetoric that's come out after it, and you know, people pointing the finger at at Kike Sitian, like. You know, what, it doesn't matter what you think of him as a manager. Like, this was this was going to be a thankless job. This was doomed for failure uh, already. You know, Barcelona went into this match. I think it was the oldest starting 11 they've started in the Champions League, like ever. Yes. Uh, yes. Over a, an average age of 29. You know, PK is, is so past it. Busquets is also past it. Jordi Alba, while I still love him as a player, um, he checks out for me a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And... Then there's Messi. Like Messi, uh, at his age, isn't able to carry this team the way that he once was, and he alone has papered over a lot of the cracks that have been showing on this roster for years. And yeah, it's their first season without a trophy since 07-08. But just look at the Champions League failures of the last couple of years to know that how Barcelona has been falling from the European elite for a couple of years now. That the decline has pretty much started. Uh, from the moment that they won the Champions League in 2015 over Juventus, so uh, I, I mean, this is this is a, a rebuild of sorts. Like you could bring Jurgen Klopp, best manager in the world, into this job, he'd probably say the same thing he said at Liverpool in 2015. Like, I need a couple of years here, guys. Like, let's chill, <laughs> because there's there's just no quick fixes for this roster. No quick fixes for this roster. No, and and I think look when we saw coming out of the pandemic if you think back and i can't remember who the opponent was if you think back in the match you know, messi essentially assumed a, a deeper position uh and, and it was almost as if he was it was almost as if he was trying to fill three or four positions at one time on on, on the pitch and make out make up for uh, their lack of you know real depth in the midfield and yeah there was that that shot of the Barcelona locker room at halftime. Oh man! Now famous shot, you know, with with Ter Stegen leaning against the the wall and just kind of in <laughs> shock, and and Messi just staring at the floor. And the other thing I found really interesting about that match is when it was over, Messi didn't do a media availability. Now in the past, in the past, he's generally been pretty i mean he will pick his spots during the season but in the past he's generally been pretty good i think danny after big matches win or lose and i wonder if maybe that wasn't uh, some sort of message uh being sent and you know if it if it was you know clearly message received but on balance i like i i like the cummins move for them I, i just you know, they need to clean up the presidency. They, and and mm-hmm. I, I think they need to maybe they need to maybe recapture some of the. Well, they lost their know, identity. Of, yeah, their identity and the whole sense of development. 
they need to turn Barcelona, I think, again, into just a real a special place to come for players. And not simply, as I said, because you're going to get you're going to get a lot of money. Um, and I think that's going to be particularly important over the next over the next two seasons. Well, they, they stopped looking at players that fit into their um, their ideals that stop, you know, that fit into the Barcelona way of play, as we saw them build through the Guardiola years. But Instead, they kind of they used to be the 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 team that was opposite of Real Madrid, Jeff. But now they're mm-hmm. kind of that, you know. They just yep. go and they buy the player that is the most popular in world football that year, and that you know that was Antoine Griezmann, Philip Coutinho for a time, uh, Dembele, you know the the hot young the shot player, and and whether or not he fits into what we want to do, we're going to go out and buy that guy, and that's why you have a lot of the mistakes uh, in the transfer market that we've seen. But the question is, and I know we asked it uh, after the La Liga season, like what happens with Messi? And and honestly, Jeff, you know, he's a year out from, from his contract expiring. Uh, I know I've, I've always been on the, the ideal that he's, he's probably staying at Barcelona for life. I feel like it's, it's more plausible now to think of a Lionel Messi transfer. I don't know how many teams are, are going to have the money to, to pull that sort of thing off. Manchester City and PSG probably, uh, but when it comes to Messi, it, I, I think it's probably the best move for for both sides. We've talked about Barcelona's financial issues right now because of all the the dead weight on their books, buying a lot of older players that haven't fit in and are on big big wages that no other team really wants right now. And Messi, if if you want to go and and capture a few more trophies, I don't know if you're going to be able to do it at Barcelona at this at this stage of your career, pal. Yeah, and I wonder how, from Messi's point of view, I wonder how his inability to have the ultimate international success with Argentina weighs into this as well. <clears throat> you know, I, I don't, I don't know uh, if for him winning trophies in Europe necessarily can erase, you know, the 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 the, the lack of performance or the lack of success he's had with Argentina. And if that's the case, I would think he'd probably want to. I mean, I don't know. Does he want to give one more crack with Argentina at his age? If he does, does he have to pick a place that uh, is more conducive to to that? Does he go back to Argentina and, and play club soccer? I, I I thought like two or three years ago that ultimately Messi would be the type of guy who'd want to give the Prem one run, give yeah. it one shot. But I don't I don't know if if, if he'd be you know, predisposed to do that anymore. I'm, I, I think, and especially given where we are now in the, in the world with the pandemic and with the economic fallout, I, if I'm Lionel Messi, I probably stick out another year in Barcelona and then see where the international calendar is going to lie, see what it's going to look like, and then kind of make a decision about what's, what's more important to me to win something internationally or to, you know, further, further my career in, in the Prem or, or staying in the uh, staying in, in, in Barcelona. But I, I can't see him going. I, I can't see him going to PSG. Yeah. Like if you're going to PSG, stay in Barcelona. If you're going to go to <laughs> PSG, stay, stay in Barcelona. Uh, there's the other factor here for Barcelona as a team and how they – you know, try to quickly rejig everything. You know, you're less than a month away from the start of the the new yeah. season, right? Yep. September 12th. So good luck trying to overturn a squad in that small of a time frame. Um, and you know, I think I was going to say, I think that's why maybe hiring 
Kuhnman makes some sense too, because he's what he is going to have to do with this team is, is is similar to what you have to do with an international team or with a national team. You've only got a limited amount of time to have everybody in camp. You know, you've got to you've got to make it work right away. You've got to be organized. You've got to be efficient. And I think maybe for that reason, he's a smart hire because he's not going to have a lot of time. You're going to have to get their attention right away. You're going to have to implement some stuff and boom, hit the ground running just as you would normally do coaching a national team. Have a comment or question on uh, the Barcelona situation at Dan Richo 650 and at SN Jeff Blair here on a kick in the grass. Alfonso Davies, the native son. Uh, we've been talking about him forever, but uh, if it if the breakout performance didn't happen against Chelsea a few months ago, uh, the whole of world football was absolutely uh, in love with Alfonso Davies. Uh, the movie pulls on Nelson Semedo. Uh, keeping Messi in his pocket for 90 minutes. I mean, um, you know, he, he made the Barcelona defense look like England versus Maradona in 86, you know. it's uh, But, you know, he's the Canadian kid that everybody is just in love with right now. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating, you know, seeing the the international reaction to him. And I think we've maybe reached kind of a turning point, if you want to call it that. I was listening to uh football weekly pod the other day and they were talking about the the match and you know, and i can't remember who it was mentioned of course alfonso davies just really owned his side of the pitch and, and that was it and it wasn't like oh my god that young canadian guy was yeah. so good where do you where, you know there's still some of that you, you hear some of that but it's interesting now how it's just accepted in a lot of quarters, right? When amongst the 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 pundits, uh, you know, amongst the other commentators, folks who write, it's it's kind of accepted now that yeah. Alfonso Davies is going to be really good. It's almost like he's become part of the international furniture. That's a huge, huge stride. When you think about where this kid was two years ago, and you think about where he is now. And what he's doing and who he's doing it for, it, it's, it is a remarkable story. It really is. Yeah. And, um, the, you know, the, just thinking about the assist, uh, I, I love the celebration because the team celebrated him more than they celebrated Joshua Kimmich, who scored the end of, eventual goal. It's like, you know, you've provided an insanely good assist when the team is celebrating you more than they are the goal scorer. Uh, but that's that's just the name of the game right now for Alfonso Davies. And he may be having his hands on the Champions League trophy as Bayern just look – they look unstoppable, Jeff. Um, they're the best at what they do. They're the best in Europe right now. And I, I know we've touched on this in previous weeks, so we won't do it again, but they just look absolutely dominant. Um, all right, let's move to Manchester City, the other big disappointment of the Champions League. Uh, when we spoke uh, about the return, um, you know, we said this is this has got to be City's kind of a year, right? Like now that they've gotten through Real Madrid, this is Pep Guardiola's chance. You get Lyon, you get this gift of seeing Lyon. And if they had lost to Bayern Munich, I, I don't think anybody is is really batting an eye at this. But now that they've lost to Lyon, I mean the finger is directly pointed at, at Pep for me, Jeff. You know, this is continual uh, Champions League failures, not just with Manchester City, but even at, at Bayern Munich. Uh, he last won the trophy in 2011 with Barcelona. 
um, it, it's it's felt like this has been his bugaboo of all the great things that Pep has done. This trophy continues to elude him, and with his selection in the match, like you have to wonder if you know he's overthinking things to a certain level because there's no reason Manchester City should start three center backs going up against uh, Lyon because they're worried about the pace of their two strikers. Like, you're Manchester City, man. You shouldn't be worried about anything Leon has to offer against you. Hey, you know what? I, I, I don't even know where to start with this. It's, you know, it's typical Pep. Uh, to me, to me, this is, this was man, Manchester City's entire season. And I think, honestly, Pep Guardiola's legacy with the club will be determined by was going to be determined this year. They need a Champions League title. They won the Prem. They had a you know a great season this year that in any other season would have probably won it for them. I don't think if you're Man City, you can judge your success anymore by the Premier League. You you you've got to look beyond it. You've got to look at Champions League. Yeah, the great stat for me in in the Guardian what by the 50th minute of the match. Kyle Walker, Rodri Fernandinho, and, and Gundogan had touched the ball 288 times. <laughs> Mares, Bernard Silva, Phil Foden, and, and 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 David Silva hadn't touched the ball 50 minutes into the match. And it was, you know, someone said it was almost like watching. It, it was almost like like a gang of art thieves. Right. And yeah. they're 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 waiting outside the art gallery and they're all going in. They're ready to go in and they're going to steal the prized possession. But it's almost as if the leader of the gang decided, I don't like the guy who's going to pick the lock here. Let's bring this other guy in. And that you never got the sense, at least I got the sense that they were close to unlocking the, the defense that they were facing. And it's just to me, that's. To me, that's shameful. You know, it it, it, it really is shameful. You know, it, they've spent so much money on this squad, too. It, it, just like, who does Pep uh, have to look at now? Like, where's the finger pointed uh, that they can't, um, you know, figure this out? He spent more money on fullbacks the last three seasons than Klopp spent on Salah, Firmino, and, and Mane. You know? mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. like, not even just, like, a little bit more, like over 100 million euros more than Klopp spent on, on those players. Um, it, it, it's just baffling. we got a bunch of listener comments on this. Uh, Ryan says, doesn't matter how much he wins domestically, it's a fail at City if there's no Champions League. How do you spend almost 200 million pound on fullbacks and still not figure that position out? Uh, but that's, you know, the overwhelming comments. Um, you know, like, you've had the money, you've had the time, yeah, you've won a bunch of domestic trophies, but for Manchester City, that's that's not the whole picture. You, without a Champions League, Pep's going to be considered a failure at Manchester sure. City. Sure, he is. You know, and, and, and I don't. I'm I'm not one who plays the nationalism card. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I I've got to tell you, uh, I wonder if maybe maybe what Manchester City doesn't or, or what they need isn't just some good old fact fashion sort of English steel in the middle yeah. of their, in the middle of their, their back line. Um, and, and I don't, you know, again, I, I, I'm the guy that just kind of rolled my eyes when Jordan Henderson won the, won, won the player <laughs> of the year award. 
you know, comparing him, as I said, there isn't a person on the planet who would take him over Kevin De Bruyne, who's far and away the best player in the Prem this year. But maybe they need a little more of that commodity. And the thing we've seen is, you know, you can get it without bringing in the Harry, you know, the Harry Maguires of the world. And, and, and it doesn't even really have to be Danny. It doesn't have to be an English guy. It's just they, they just yeah. need they need somebody who can they they need somebody who can support what they do defensively and also play the ball out of the back. And I know that's that's not always the easiest thing to find, but that to me is I mean they've got the depth in midfield. They will always have the attacking talent, regardless of whether or not Aguero is healthy or hurt. They they'll find that, but they just need that 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 steel in the back. They really do. And and I think the other thing too is, you know, Pep's just got to say these are my three or four or five best midfielders, and that's who I'm going with. And the only way anybody else gets in there is if they're hurt. Almost like he's got too many options uh, at times. Uh, that's what Mark uh, was thinking as well. He says, Pep overthinks things again. What a slow, negative starting lineup. Never corrected the mistake. And Jazz, only thing they won this year was the League Cup, and that trophy should be discontinued. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they have a trophy. Because there is a certain team that will not have a trophy this year. That's, no uh... names mentioned. <laughs> I think we got a listener question on that coming up at injury time a little bit later Good. on in the show. Uh, Dan Riccio, Jeff Blair, we are a kick in the grass. Coming back, uh, we'll talk to Axel Schuster, sporting director of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, the MLS is trying to resume its season. The Canadian clubs will have a Canadian series starting this week. We'll talk about that with Axel Schuster next. It is a kick in the grass. Back in on a kick in the grass, it's Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair. Always send in a question at Dan Riccio 650 and at SN Jeff Blair. We'll answer as many as we can in the injury time segment of the show. So MLS returns again. Uh, the MLS's back tournament is over in the books. Uh, but now uh, the Canadian clubs over the next month and a bit, Jeff, will be playing up against each other in a series of matches, the Canadian series of matches. What do you think of this format? And, you know, it's also factoring in on the Canadian championship. The uh, MLS team with the most points out of this Canadian series will be in the champion, uh, the Canadian championship final going up against uh, the winner of the Island Games in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, how do you think Canada soccer has, has managed all of this? I think they've managed it. I think they've managed it really well. I, you know, I mean, it, one of the things you need to do during the pandemic is control what you can control and take advantage of the opportunities you're given because we've seen that those opportunities don't always come along. The, the NBA did it. The NHL did it with the bubble format. MLS did it with the bubble format. And for the Canadian teams, take advantage of the fact that for the most part, there's free movement in this country or that the country has its act together, uh, you know, in the time of the pandemic. And especially as we get into the fall and you know, we don't know what we're going to face in the way of a second wave, get as many games in as you can and play the games wherever you can and really take it, you know, use it as an opportunity to expose Canadians to your game. So I think this is, I think this is terrific. 
and you know, look, there's there's a lot of stuff we don't know about next year. We don't know what the international calendar is going to look like. We don't know what MLS is going to look like. But I'll say this: you know what? Uh, for a sport that seems to have have lost its way at times in North America, when this is all said and done, it looks very much, Danny, as if soccer is going to be one sport that has successfully carried its season through to some sort of conclusion it may not be the perfect conclusion it may not be the conclusion we wanted but it got its job done and i i i i think i mean ask the c ask the cfl ask the cfl what happens when you don't continue with your program in the middle of this situation so i say good on, on the canadian soccer association you know, uh, I know there's some people that are like, oh, like, look at them. They're forcing a, a Canadian Premier League team into the final. And uh, maybe there are some that think that that's unfair. Uh, you know what? Who cares? You're trying to promote your exactly. own league. You're trying to promote the top division in your country. It is your league. If you want to give them an extra little bit of a boost by, by putting one of them in the final in this weird, wacky situation that we're in, so be it. All absolutely, go ahead and do it. Create a a, a forged FA Cup, you know, Cinderella story. I don't care, it, but it to me it makes a lot of sense. You want to promote sure the Canadian Premier League, and uh, let's not you know, let's let's keep in mind what happened recently when when people started talking down about leagues. Right, the farmers. What 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 was the what was <laughs> farmers Liga, football? Yes, farmers football. You know, well, how do how do the farmers look right now? They look pretty good based yeah. on where they are in Champions League. So I, I'm with you. I, it, it, why not? If, you, if you're ever going to do it, do it this year. There's, there's, there's nothing to lose by doing it. And I'm with you, man. Increase the exposure of the game and, and, and help the CPL. I, th I, think it's, I think it's great because you know what? The CPL for Canadian players, the CPL is going to be more of an entry point than MLS is going to be. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it, it, it's a fact. It's a numerical fact. It's a financial fact. So anything you can do to, to, to fly the flag of the CPL for me is perfect. Dan Richo, Jeff Blair, now welcoming in to the conversation. He is the sporting director for the Vancouver Whitecaps, Axel Schuster. Thanks for this, Axel. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. How are you? Uh, we're good. We're good. Thank you. Uh, so uh, it's been a wild couple of months, uh, impressive at MLS's back tournament, but uh, how, how are you feeling right now with, with where the squad is? Yeah, it's it's really tough to say because we had so many different issues throughout the whole season. Uh, we had our signings came coming in late because of the visa sta status. So uh, um, before the MLS back tournament, some of them were not even able to play. Then we went to the MLS is back tournament, and uh, some players had to stay back at home um, and. Uh, and we lost uh, some players there due to injuries. So um, I think we have never seen our whole team. Um, we have never seen our best starting eleven. So I'm still waiting for that. And also for the Canadian trip, unfortunately, it will not be that because uh, Johnny Pickle will not make it for the Canadian series, and he will not go with us to to these three games. So we have to wait a little bit more. And Max Kepo, as everybody knows, is injured and will also not play. So um, two more players that will not be available are two players that will not be available. But it is what it is. So uh, 
whatever it takes we i think we 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 never we never uh use that excellent excuse we we see the chances for other guys to show up and we had also some good moments with those guys um what was like uh what was life like in the bubble axel when you guys were were in orlando and you know was it an opportunity for you in some ways to maybe learn a few more things about your team a few more things about the league yeah not not in that way i think that everybody would expect that i think we learned a lot about our team throughout the whole crisis because in the crisis you see characters you see you see uh, how people deal with problems so that was an important piece and that helped us a lot i knew the team well because uh, i was uh, with the team all the time in the uh, summer and the summer in the winter preparation in january in san diego and in in the tournament in portland but uh, now we we saw the reliance uh, for problems so that that is an was an interesting piece and and for of course it helped me to get a better overview about the league at all everybody was at the same place i met a lot of people there i would i would never met i think throughout the whole year so you had time to that you could spend with with other um other teams and and uh people from other teams so that that helped a lot how how has that learning curve been for you uh we we like to sometimes poke fun at MLS for all of the intricate rules and, and things of that nature, but you coming in as, as sporting director over from the Bundesliga, how how has that learning curve been for you? Um, it was not that complicated. So, uh, as I said, the, the most important thing was to, to learn more about the league, about the different teams, the styles of teams, the style of, of the coaches, um, maybe even the styles of the sporting directors, how they build their teams, uh, and, and to learn more about individual players. So I had a good chance to see a lot of games now. And, and um, so I think uh, today I have a much better overview about the league at all. Uh, the rules itself, that was never a problem. Uh, there was, it's always in the mind of the people. If somebody's coming over here, he's struggling with accelerate cap, for example. I think it's, the, it's easier for, for somebody coming from Germany uh, due to the fact that we are still one of the last countries in the world where you cannot have an owner, um, where 51% of each club belongs to the club itself uh, or the people of the club, uh, we we have really strict caps. Uh, not in the in the way we have here in MLS, but but your financial guy he gives you a cap because uh, you're not getting money from an external party, so you are not getting money from a bank. Uh, football clubs are not the, the favorite of, of banks so uh, at the end you get a cap and you have to deal with that and you know that at the end of the transfer period uh, for the season it has to work so that that was all not that complicated you know I want to take take the conversation away from the white caps just for a minute Axel because you talked about the Bundesliga and we had a chance to talk about Alfonso Davies and and some of the young players that have had success in the Bundesliga with Alexi Lalas and one of the points he made about the Bundesliga he said for whatever reason it's a league and a football culture that is welcoming to young players from other countries and his point was you know, not only do team executives see the business efficiency in having young players on their team, wherever they're from, 
but he said part of the ethos of the German football fan, it's almost as if they enjoy watching young players. So could you just tell us a little bit about how that developed and, and, and why the Bundesliga seems to be so welcoming for young Canadian and, and certainly young American players? Yeah, I think uh, maybe it's it's a, a little bit of that what I said before because um, to to be more competitive in this league, uh, the best thing you can do is to to make good transfers, and good transfers means to bring in player in a young age stage and a young age and to develop them and to sell them um, because you are not getting uh, external money, so you mm-hmm. you have no access to to money from an ownership uh, who who say okay. It hasn't worked out, so let us invade fifty. Let let us invest fifty one hundred million. So you you and and in the in the same time, I think we we have very good experience with a lot of young players. So after mm. we failed to, at two World Cups uh, in the early early group stage, we we developed whole system in the country to to go on talent and to develop talent. So. Uh, and we were very successful because we won titles after that with these young guys. So uh, I think there is a great openness for young talent and to develop talent, and and that's is helpful for for every talent because we we make no difference if it is a is a German um, player or somebody from from overseas or from another country. Do you bring a little bit of that that mentality here to to Vancouver? Uh, we know it was the youngest squad at MLS's back. We know in the overall how how young the squad is. Um, but is that part of your plan here in your first year and moving forward with the Whitecaps to to keep growing young players and 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 see that as part of the identity of what the Whitecaps are? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I provoked a little bit, as I said, uh, if, if clubs like uh, Dinamo Zagreb or um, North Zealand, Midtjylland can be uh, within the 10 best developing clubs in the world, and uh, we can make a lot of ratings uh, how, how to do that. So uh, this were, were a rating that have been a rating about players that played at World Cups and in Champions League. So why not a club in North America can do that? Um, so, and it is our target to, to develop talent and is our target to bring in young guys and to, to focus on that and, and to, and, and to explain everybody what that means, because, uh, to bring in young talent is also, it's always a little bit of bad. So, and, and you have to know that young, unexperienced players maybe make mistakes at some point where, uh, old experienced players are not making any more mistakes, but. At the same time, you have a big chance that they grow. And if they grow in the right way, they, they become better players. So that helps your team. And at the, at the right, right point, you maybe can be the springboard to, to a bigger league, to a bigger club. And uh, it's exactly what we want to do also with our bases here in, in all over Canada. So we are, the, we are a team that, that has 30,000 kids playing with our batch all over Canada. So um, with, with this structure and with this basis, uh, I think it's a must to, to focus on development. Axel, I'm wondering, do you have any idea what uh, the schedule will be like after the Canadian competition with MLS? Do you know, are they talking to the Canadian government? We know the border restrictions are in place, I think, till September 21st now. Um, it, do you have any idea about that? And, and that I would think has to make it difficult to to bring in 
to bring in any more players or maybe even to look ahead to next year. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I really, I think the we we all like to speculate, speculate, speculate. We all like to speculate, uh, and and the, the problem here with this illness and this virus is uh, that we don't really really don't know what what happens. So things can become better, things can become worse. I saw in Europe uh, already all all borders open again and people were allowed mm-hmm. to travel. So and it at the end it went. It, it, it happens way quick, so I was surprised. Um, they put testing in place now for for people coming back from another country. So uh, I don't know, but I I I'm I'm can guarantee that we will participate in a competition <laughs> if there is one competition, uh, border crossing, not crossing. And uh, as I said, we we have very good experience uh, with our local health authorities here. And and we were never the first team coming out with any phase. So we were not the first one that that were back in individual workouts in full team training. We were not the first. We have not been the first team that went to Orlando. So, but but at the end, we all always found a solution, and 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 uh, we we totally trust to find a solution with our local health authorities again to 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 find a way how we can participate in this competition in a safe and secure way, because. Uh, I'm not getting tired. Uh, um, it's it's not we that have a problem. It's south the border. Uh, it's the problem. So um, if if we would have the numbers of British Columbia all over North America, I think we would not discuss this point. So um, we should not we should not uh, think to to stretch the rules. We want to keep these rules because these rules makes makes everything safe and secure. But as I said, we we always found a solution within these rules. How uh, how far down the road are you and have you been um, with potentially having a setup south of the border uh, to continue the MLS season? Yeah, it's a, it's it's our responsibility to prepare for any scenario, every scenario. So of course, um, we we spoke with some clubs south of the border, and and we have not signed anything now, but we would be able now to sign a solution for, for any scenario. So um, to, to have a home base uh, in south of the border, to stay there, to play there, or to go there only for our home games and then to cross the borders for all the games. Um, that's a decision that is not done yet. We are working with local health authorities and, and the feds in, in Ottawa, what, what at the end our solution will be. But uh, we are we are prepared. That's uh, clear. And uh, in the case that uh, we know uh, what uh, our restrictions with the borders are, we we will announce that. Actually, you uh, have managed to sell one in one. Uh, and I'm just wondering if you could walk us through the thinking behind that and the process behind it, managing to uh, managing to sell a player at this time. Yeah, I think. He was very open and clear with that. Since I was here, he he spoke about his dream and wish to go to Europe. Um, we still had two and a half years of contract, so I always told him and his agent it can only happen if uh, we get also satisfied at the end of this deal. Mm-hmm. And that means mean mean that we need a remarkable profit for us. Otherwise, it makes no sense because. Uh, we are le- losing a good player, and in the same time, we cannot uh, we cannot replace him immediately. So that's right. that's the point. So um, 
So, but I'm not the guy who want to hold players back if they if we have a, at the end a solution that satisfies everybody. And if you want to develop talent and players, that's also a promise you have to give because you have to give a if you if you want to sign and work with a lot of young players, uh, and then you have to give them the promise if you make a development that is that huge that you can go like Alfonso did or Alimbom then you have to let them go, but not for any every price. So at the end, it was about that. We had three. We had three official offers. I, I got three three official offers, and and then yeah, we were we were at, uh, able to 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 fix a deal that I spoke with Imbom yesterday. Uh, he he looked also very happy. So a deal where I would say everybody's happy at the end. That that the best deals. It is uh, one of the. <sighs> It's it's difficult uh, when trying to blink, bring in players uh, to MLS. Um, you know, seen it through the years. You know, some players don't deal well with the travel. Um, there's there's always the question mark of how will a player fit into that league, and that's a question mark that a lot of players will have um, in any transfer going on around the world. But you know, how do you plan to? To make sure that you, you can find a player that you know will fit with your with your club in the direction that you you want to go, because that it, it's felt as though in the past uh, that that's been a, a difficulty at times for for the Whitecaps. Yeah, that's real real view, Miro, because I was not here at that past, and I don't want to comment on that. But uh, I, right. I I think that. Uh, that we have a really clear profile of a player we want to have. And that's, first of all, he has to have the quality. Uh, and, and then he should be a player that still wants to develop. And, and then it's very important that he comes here for the right reasons and that he wants to develop, that he sees that as next step. And, and I think that's always the question you have to, to put on uh, every transfer. So um, we, we, I think we signed Ranko Veselinovic with U21 uh, International for Serbia. And he was way clear with telling us that this year, this league is a step forward for him and the step to where and, and the stage where he can grow and develop his game. So the same with Leo Wuzo uh, and, and Gianni Bickel. So it's, it's, I think, next to the talent, the most important thing to, to find out why a player really think it's the right step to come here. Um, if it is only one option and it's about, yeah, it's good money and, and the life in, in, in Vancouver is nice and the city is nice and the mountain and the sea, then I think we, it is, it is dangerous, even if he is very talented, because then maybe after a few weeks, uh, the travel, um, the, the league, whatever is, is, uh, something, uh, that, that is annoying for him. I, we we really test that and ask these players that, and I would say that uh, those guys we signed now they are all here and also in this crisis they showed up and and they showed us that they are here for the right reasons, and um, so that's that's our profile, and uh, that's uh, <laughs> at the end it's a profile that still offers us a lot of good opportunities for players. I know you spoke about it a little bit earlier, but uh, is there uh, a, an immediate uh, plan on how to replace Wang and Baum on the squad? Yeah, 
well, everybody would love to, to, to sign the first player on our list and he would be here tomorrow and can go with us on the Canadian series. But the reality is not that. So we, that's something I had to learn <laughs> about, about uh, North America and MLS that, uh, sometimes the process for a visa, uh, can take a long time. So, uh, um, um, and that's uh, that's something we we have to consider because after this process of visa, we also have a process of of quarantine. And what I said earlier this week is that we would, I would guess that it takes ten weeks until a player can play for our team if we sign him today. And with with that known, um, we we have also to be very open with the player. And with that known, we have to decide how much he can still impact our team this year and what are other opportunities we have on our list, uh, options we have on our list. And is it worth to fight for, for another option and to wait one, two more weeks if we get that deal done? Because anyway, our first, uh, the, the, the first option on the list will not help us in, in the next 10 weeks. So, um, so we, we feel not in a rush. For that reason, because anyway, we have to play a lot of games without the uh, without the player, and the market is way interesting. A lot of moving pieces. Uh, still, a lot of clubs in in the world are waiting. What is the situation with fans? Closed doors. If it is closed doors, that has a financial impact again. Um, clubs are having packed squads because they they got all the loan players back and and don't find clubs that that want to sign their players so there there are still a lot of moving pieces and and chances will come up and we won't we don't want with the knowledge that the player anyway will not help us soon we don't want to miss a chance that maybe is there in one two weeks and uh, final thing before we let you go, um, we, we did have uh, a lot of players opt out of the MLS's back tournament. Aside from injuries that we talked about earlier, is, uh, is everyone a full go for the Canadian series with the Whitecaps? Yeah. Good to uh, know. <laughs> uh, uh, that's good to know for us. And uh, yeah. I, think, I think to stay in Canada uh, is, is a good thing. So uh, nobody's concerned of uh, being in Canada and playing games in Canada right now. So we, we, we are working on the solutions for phase two, but uh, phase one is not really a problem. Axel, it's uh, really been a pleasure catching up. Uh, thank you for this. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we'll be watching. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You Thanks, too. Axel. There is Axel Schuster, Sporting Director of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Coming up, your questions to close out the show. It is injury time here on A Kick in the Grass. Final segment of A Kick in the Grass. Uh, let us get to your listener questions. Send them in throughout the week at SN Jeff Blair and at DanRicho650. You can send it through the DMs, and we'll try to answer as many as we can here in the injury time segment of the show. First one comes for you, Jeff. It's from Eddie. What the heck happened to United yesterday? Yesterday being their Europa League loss to Sevilla. Well, I mean, what happened is it's, it's you know, first of all, take advantage of your chances. Uh, they had so many chances, especially in the, I mean, they just, they, they, they blitzed Seville early in the second half. Couldn't finish it it off, and you know, as I'm watching that match, I'm thinking, okay, at, at some point 
at some point Seville is going to breach, you know, Manchester United's defense. It's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. And 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 it it just seemed it just seemed as if United hit a wall and they had no legs. They had no ideas. Uh, probably around the 55th or 60 60th minute, suddenly you, you just you stop seeing guys. And I don't know what it is. I thought, you know. I thought they were lucky to escape against Copenhagen, and I was concerned then because I thought they looked really tired. They looked really leggy, and I just think you know they ran up against a team that was frankly tougher than them. And I'm I'm not the type of person that always says, well, you know, this team won because they're tougher. This team lost because they're softer. This team, you know, is. Is, is is too focused on offense. I tend to think at this stage of the season, it really does come down to tactics most of the time. But I, I just think this was an example where where Manchester United just just hit a wall and uh, Victor Lindelof. <laughs> you know what else? What else can you say? And you know, and and Victor. I, I mean, I have concerns about this. You know, it's been a good year for Manchester United on balance, but. You know, this has been 20 months now that 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 Ole's been in charge. I believe around 20 months, and I, I still don't kind of see the the type of tactical nous that will get Man U through a game like that, right. like that one. I mean, we've seen them in the Prem; they're so fast they just overwhelm teams. But what happens when you overwhelm teams and can't score? And I, I think I got some. Re- I mean, I know they brought Harry Maguire. I've got real questions about that back line. I've got real questions about about David de Gea, and you know, I, I just—it's a quick turnaround, and I'm hoping that that there's a little bit of boldness in Man U here in their in their in their planning. And I'm just—I'm not sold on just bringing in Jaden Sancho, and I'm not sold on bringing in Jack Grealish. I think you have to address the back. And however you go about doing it, whether it's keeper plus uh, center backs or, or or center backs first, whatever you have to do to get that done, you do it. It's uh, it's been my favorite joke about United this year. But like, if they can't score from the spot, they can't score. And uh, that's true. Unless it's Mason Greenwood. Um, but you know. It is going to be something next year. In, in reality, jo- joking aside, they're not going to get as many penalties as they did this season. Like that's just not going to happen. They've set records for how many penalties they've hit this year. Uh, so that's going to be something that's going to affect matches and going to affect how many points you grab as well. Uh, quick thought question from Gord: What do you think of Willian at Arsenal? I mean, we talked about this a lot. I think it's a great signing yeah. for Arsenal. Uh, I, you know, is he going to does he take them to the Premier League title? No, but He's an effective player. He gives them something they don't have, and you know he seems to have been the type of guy who it's kind of when when he was in Chelsea was able to ride the ups and downs, right? Mourinho and and then Frank Lampard taking over. He just strikes me as a very effective, very professional player, and he's not as he's not as quick as he once was. But I think he'll fit nicely into what into what Arsenal does. And if Arsenal, you know, if they can settle on Pierre Emerick Aubameyang and 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 get that done, I can see I can see William fitting in very very nicely there. Like I'm, you know, I, I just think it's a it's a smart it's a smart initial move 
for Mikel Arteta. Uh, Isaac has this question uh, for me. Does Pogba end up at Juve now that Pirlo is there? Um, I would love to see it. I, I know you probably wouldn't so much, Jeff, but, um, you know. Has, Pog- a guy gone, has a guy gone gone back to a team, <laughs> a guy as good as Pogba gone back to a team twice? <laughs> I don't think so. You know? Can't can't remember one. No, I can't. Uh, like it's not like he's thirty eight either. Yeah, <laughs> That's the other thing, right? He's still in his prime. Um, I know. It's it's wild. He'd be the perfect fit. It's exactly what they need. Um, some 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 brilliance in midfield. Uh, I know he can check out sometimes, and that's one of the biggest criticisms of of Paul Pogba. But uh, I, that's exactly the player that Juventus needs. I don't I don't think they have the money for it right now. I don't uh, foresee it happening as much as he and Pirlo have that connection uh, from their days uh, earlier in Pogba's career. But uh, it's it's a dream move right now, and and nothing nothing more than that. Uh, as much as I would like it to happen. And final question is from Steph: What is the one area of the Canadian men's team that you still think needs strengthening? Oh boy, I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this, but. Um... <laughs> You know, because of what it's sort of what we associate with the with the Canadian Canadian yeah. team as being, um, you know, obviously I, the, the midfield would be my first area of concern. But I also I think I just think you need to be stronger defensively as well. Yeah, it's it's odd, right? Because no, normally your first answer would be forward, but I think I think they've got enough they can work with in terms of of attacking. I, I would like. I would like John Herdman to figure out what to do with Jonathan Osorio. And I don't mean that in a negative way because to me, Osorio, it's a little bit like TFC. I just don't know if his managers, his coaches know what to make of him. And I I hope somebody does really, really soon because I don't want to see him. I I sort of don't want to see him become an afterthought. You know, I, I, I think there's too much there. I think he's too important to the Canadian program. But, you know, if you ask me right now, if, 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 you know, we're, we're talking about a serious run at the World Cup, then they, 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 have to, they have to lock it down a bit in the back, I think. They really do. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not the, the Canadian team I grew up with that, that oh, was only God, strong no. at the back. Um, where, where we had, uh, it seemed like center backs for days, but, um, and, and keepers. I mean, we rolled, you know, we would, yeah. we would fart out keepers, <laughs> to be quite honest. And now it's, uh, we have too many forwards that we know what to do with, but too many talented players, too many goal scorers. Wow. First too world soft, problems. Soft Canadian team, man. soft Canadian team. We need to toughen up again, become a little more agricultural. Yeah. We need Canada's that? Jordan Henderson. Uh, there we do. There we, there we go. Fine Canada's. Jordan Anderson. You can always send in a question at SN Jeff Blair and at Dan Richo 650 uh, on Twitter. Our DMs are open, so send them through. We'll answer as many as we can each week in injury time. Always subscribe if you are listening on iTunes and your favorite podcatcher. We do appreciate that as well. Leave a review if you can, only if it's nice, though. Uh, thanks for this, Jeff. Yeah, we don't want bad reviews. Yeah, we don't. Don't leave a bad review. Don't leave bad reviews. Uh, <laughs> Not, not, not here. Not, not that. Uh, here on a kick in the grass. Dan Riccio and Jeff Blair. Thanks for listening. We're back next Monday, as always, here on the Sportsnet Radio Network.